Thank you for tuning in for this special mini-series that I have going on, uh, which I thought was a really important topic to go over, and I'm really excited about the guests uh, that we have coming on. Uh, So let this not be the end of discussion, but the start of one. And I will say it was way better fresh than like reheated the next day. Yeah, we don't ever have leftovers, so I don't know what that's like. Yeah, they're not very good. You got to eat it all fresh. I'm ready. So I guess first off, you need to tell everybody who you are so people aren't wondering why why did he get her on. (laughs) Well, I'm Shelly Powell. I, uh, I don't know. What do you want me to say? I'm... Uh, a life coach. I'm a Bible teacher. I'm Brandy's friend. Your favorite person. Miss Brandy's my favorite. No, I'm your favorite. Uh, I mean, she used to be, <laughs> but then you met me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, what what got you to this point in your life? You can tell me that first, and then I'll start asking you the other questions. Okay. Well, that's a long story. You know. That's fun. Um. Yeah, I guess. So by this point in my life, you mean just what I'm doing now? Um, or? sure. You can give me the highlights too. I'll take all of it. Um. Well, Did anything in your early life, I guess, dictate the where where you're at now, or do you feel like it's kind of just jumped around? Um, I, my early, I mean, my early life was, you know, pretty good actually, and um, you know, I did this small town thing grew up and played sports and went off to college and um all the all the stuff I guess you're quote unquote supposed to do and really had what I you know I think I grew up I had a really weird relationship with Jesus I guess because I don't know that I actually even had one um and I, it really wasn't until uh, I was married and really until my dad died that I really had a pretty significant crisis of faith um, that caused me to kind of question everything I'd been taught and everything I believed. And, um, but I wasn't ready to, like, I, I think what happened for me was deconstruction, but I don't mean that term in the way it's often used today because what I I like really dug into the Bible I really started studying it seriously for the very first time ever and um, sort of began to deconstruct uh, just some misbeliefs I guess that I had some false beliefs maybe Um, and really when it came into end of it 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 was like I figured out that I wasn't really angry at the God of the Bible as much as I was angry at a God that I had created with my own mind and with what I'd been taught. So basically an idol of my own making. And so I deconstructed, I guess, my idolatry uh, more than anything else and really started trying to learn how to read the Bible, learn how to study the Bible and learn how to, um, with the intent to really know the God of the Bible for myself instead of just learning, always learning secondhand who God was. 
do you know yeah. who Rhett and Link are? No. Uh, okay, so there's these YouTubers. They got real big. They were they started out as like these Christian guys. And uh, anyway, I just thought about like you bringing up the deconstruction thing. Like it seemed like it got really got popularized whenever they started going there. Like for the I guess people my age age group. I guess I don't know, but it seemed like a lot of people started using that word like deconstruction after they started saying they were deconstructing their faith and then, then they they're no, they say they're no longer Christians now but there was that kind yeah. of different kind of movement um instead of just like, like that's to clear more it up. like and that's why i think like deconstruction i feel like what i did was actually deconstruct mm -hmm. and then reconstruct from a biblical thing i think a lot of times people use that word what they really mean is they just don't they just kind of destroy their faith at the end of it, they don't actually believe anymore. Um, and so that's not, that was not my story at all. Um, but I was, I was ready and willing to walk away from the faith, but I didn't want to do that if I, without like really digging into the word and deciding for myself, like what I believed and what I didn't believe. So I think that makes a big difference to and where you end up well what were, what were some things that you noticed do you think like kept you in the faith then if you were already at that point where you were okay with walking away what kept you what seemed the most i guess um convicting or real um i okay i mean like this sounds like a real uh just a like the jesus answer but honestly it was the holy spirit i mean there's really no other thing for for whatever reason like, I guess maybe too, like it was such a big part of my upbringing. Um, so for whatever reason, I wasn't willing to walk away just because I was having this angry, <clears throat> excuse me, I was having a, an angry feeling. Like I really wanted to search it out and decide, I wanted it to be an informed decision. I didn't want it to be an emotional, um, just an emotional decision, I guess. So uh, I mean, I think a lot of that was personality as well, but I mean, all the credit truly in my mind and in my heart goes to the Holy Spirit because, you know, like he literally is the one who keeps us in the faith. Like it's not our doing. And so um, he just, he, I think he guided that time in that season. He was guiding me. He was directing me. Um, even if I weren't, I wasn't cognitively aware of that and thought these were all my you know, my choices, like he, his hand was in it. And I think like he was working in and through that to bring me to, I guess, a better place and a more biblical understanding of God and who he is and, and the story of the Bible in general. Well, what do you think's happening when, with those people that de deconstruct and then they, or destroy their faith? What do you think's going on with that? Because that, is the spirit not in them? Is it not fun, like helping guide them? What do you think? I so probably I would I would first say like every story of deconstruction is an individual story. Mm -hmm. um, they may have some common threads. They may have. Um, I think if they're believers, then their story's not over. I don't. You know, I think that um, if the spirit is in them and they say they don't believe anymore that doesn't necessarily mean that their faith story is over um because if they have the holy spirit then they'll they'll come back to the faith so i, I think 
I think while we're seeing such a what seems like a a, a mass movement toward deconstruction, especially with not so much, I mean, partly, I think it started a little bit with my generation, but more like your, your generation. I think one of the reasons we're seeing that is people aren't necessarily walking away from the faith as much as they're walking away from religion. And I think there's a difference. I think like there's been a lot of just poor teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... And really, that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of what happened with me, too. Like, I, I was walking away from religion, from believing that there was some performance that I could do to earn God's favor. And when I did it, there were these whole lists of things that, you know, I deserved from him. And when I didn't do it, then the bad things that happened in my life were my fault. You know, I deserved those as well. And, like, it was never... I'm like nutshelling, you know, kind of what, what I was taught. That wasn't, um, it was never said that blatantly, but the way the gospel was taught and presented, that was ultimately what was being taught that the Lord blesses those who do all the right things and the Lord punishes those who don't, which is misses the whole kind of crux of the gospel. What do you think were some things that, like you were taught that uh, that were wrong, or what do you think? Uh, what do you think is important for people to know about Christian Christianity and faith that like would help them now? Um, gosh. So first and foremost, I think that that Jesus came to save sinners. Um, that that we have no righteousness on of our own and are on our own apart from Him. Um, but also like a big piece of it is also that the gospel for me growing up was presented as yes, forgiveness for sins. Um, but also as a ticket to heaven, basically like, this is how you get your ticket out of hell, get your ticket to heaven, get forgiveness for your sins. And then kind of from there, it's up to you to like, love Jesus, obey Jesus. You know, it's kind of on your own. Um, And I think that, first of all, like that's never how Jesus presents the gospel. The gospel, he he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so that we're not just saved from something, although we are saved from something. We're saved to something and we're invited into something. And so I think the story of scripture gets lost when the gospel is presented as this very individualistic thing Mm -hmm. that it's just for you to save you so that you don't have to go to hell so that you can be blessed or however it's presented. Um, And for me, like that was my story. Like every time I walked the aisle countless times, I can't even tell you how many times I know I was baptized at least three times. And And every time that I like, rededicated my life or whatever it was a sermon on hell like it was a scare tactic Mm -hmm. and like who's not going to raise their hand when they say you know raise your hand if you don't want to go to hell like well that that sounds terrible I actually don't want to go to hell but like none of those things were you know 
a a real recognition of my own sin and repentance and an understanding that without the hope of Jesus, like I really am enslaved to them. There is no way out. And so the gospel is that we're much more sinful than we ever thought. And yet we're much more loved than we ever could imagine. And that Jesus, what Jesus did for us on the cross, yes, was, you know, pay the penalty for our sin. But then he also imputed to us his righteousness. And so we are already wholly blameless above reproach. Um, and so we're completely justified before God. And at the same time, we are being made wholly blameless and above reproach. So we're, our sanctification kind of is moving us into the justification that we already have. And so, yeah. So I think when it's, when you don't understand, you know, the collective, like God is saving for himself a people and it's a people that he is blessed so that they would then be a blessing. So we're, so from the very beginning of the story in Genesis, where in Genesis two, where God gives Adam and Eve the cultural mandate, his plan all along was that not that his blessing would just fall on his people and stay in the garden. Like with him, they were always meant to leave the garden because he told them to fill the earth and subdue it. And, and to bring his blessing to all of creation. And so I think, yeah, that it's a bigger thing than just us getting a free ticket out of hell for, you know, saying a prayer or doing the thing. So I think for me, like, I can't tell you a specific point in time. Like if you say, like, at what point were you saved? I honestly don't know, but I know that the Lord the Lord was all, he always had his hand on my journey and he, and I was always hit. He was always bringing me and wooing me to himself despite me and despite my choices and despite all the, how I fought against it in my flesh and sometimes in my intellect. So I was looking at the data while you were talking about this, um, just cause I thought it was interesting points you were making about like the, 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 egg, the exit ticket from hell, um, which yeah. is a, I, I'm always nervous about that too because I've heard other people talk about that and like like um like my parents or something like that would talk about how they how they grew up and all they heard was like fire and brimstone type sermons and that was what, how God related to you it was all like you were supposed to be condemned for any wrongdoing and then there was no like it didn't seem like there was a lot of like uh, there was no like relational aspect of God from what they said. Um, to right. us, and also looking at this data, too, it, it shows in the 70, 60s, 70s, like there was a big spike, and around the 80s, whenever things started kind of going down, um, it actually shows since 2007, there's been a 10% growth in people that would say they're religiously unaffiliated totally, and then um, Christian families have declined about a little over see, 78% to 65%. In 2018, so do you think like is the church responding well to help these people, or obviously not because there's there's decline, um, or do you think that's more like I was listening to another podcast they were talking about how church membership is not a good aggregate for believers because um, 
like what you were talking about with like deconstructing, I guess, like the religious aspects uh, that if the Bible doesn't like clearly state anything about membership. Like we see things like hinted at it, maybe with voting, things like that, but we don't see like specifically membership. So maybe data for church attendance is not a good aggregate for Christian, like to to uh, to see if the, the, the culture is more or less Christian, I guess. Or do you think that our culture has become less Christian? Well, like, I totally understand what you're you're asking me with those terms, but I think the terms themselves aren't necessarily biblical because mm. because there is no such thing in reality as a Christian, and I'm using air quotes as mm. a Christian culture or a Christian nation yeah um right because god's people are from every tongue every tribe every nation and and the bible teaches us that we are citizens of the kingdom of god and all of us are exiles here on earth so um i think the question of church membership declining and you know if you're talking about in the west because there are other places in the world where churches are growing at exponential rates. And again, um, well, and I don't know if I've already said this. I think, I think a big part of the problem is we lo- somewhere along the way, we lost sight of the gospel. Um, we stopped and, and we lost sight of discipleship. Like, and so those two things, like when, when church became about, and, and I, and I also understand the heart of like the seeker sensitive movement, Mm -hmm. but when it became about giving people their preferences, we were really just kind of laying the Western worldview over church, Mm. right? Like we're, we're in a culture where people are used to having it their way, (laughs) getting it their way and having options and having, and I think, so I think it just in the West, it became very easy for, for people to like church was just something you were supposed to do. So I don't know that like the exodus we're seeing from the church is necessarily an exodus of followers of Jesus mm-hmm. as much as people who just like, you know, maybe tagged that onto their life and then they no longer have room or space or it's no longer convenient for them in some way. And so they don't go anymore. But again, I would say like a true deconstruction story or a story of someone walking around away from the faith, every one of those stories is going to be individual. And, and there's a lot of church hurt and there's a lot of things that happen in churches that aren't God honoring or Christ pleasing. And, and I think that's real. And I think we have to be aware of that as well. So I don't remember your original question at this point, but I think, yeah, I think we're, I I think that the mission of the church hasn't changed Mm. no matter what the data shows, right? Like that, that our mission is to be conduits of the grace that's been extended to us. We're to be salt and light in the world. We're supposed to be in the world proclaiming, the name of Jesus and like our lives um, should be so our love for one another, the way we treat one another, that that should be so 
countercultural that it that it grabs attention. So I think the mission is the same no matter what. But I think like for your for church bodies where people are gathering and claiming to be followers of Jesus, I think it's very important that the gospel is proclaimed over and over and over and over and over again. Um, it's not something we need. It's not a one-time thing that you hear in order to be saved. Like the gospel is what you need every day to to live in the kingdom and to be reminded of what Christ has done and to be um, energized for the work he's called you to do and to go into battle against the enemy. So like it's it's not just a, a one-time ticket out of hell or into heaven but it's the gospel is a, is a is the way our lives are inf- informed and formed so with like so working in youth ministry i've noticed a lot more with this group coming up they seem to be more because i didn't grow up in the church i didn't grow up christian but uh, uh but i mean i was around christian people but ne- they never was like a hung like a strong hunger for god's word it seems like but it seems like this new group that's coming up they're like s- not hungry they're starving for something mm-hmm. and um they seem to be la- like uh, it seems to be that this group coming up is latching on to god's word as uh, some source of fulfilling needs or for whatever reason um do you think you are you seeing that as well um I am actually, I was, uh, so we just started, um, we just opened registration for our fall women's Bible study at Mm -hmm. our church. And, um, I was looking at the list of registrants today and we actually have two of our students who've signed up, um, for, to, to join the women's Bible study in the fall. I think, I think that's a really positive thing, Hmm. obviously. Um, And I think, yeah, I think it, I think it does speak to like, I think it speaks to a light being kind of shown on the lies of the culture and the lies of the enemy that, that people aren't finding the kind of fulfillment and, and the satisfaction that they were supposed to find and the things that we're supposed to be pursuing and maybe some of those things are being exposed. Um, but I think it's also a sign, you know, of like a true love for Jesus. Like when we when we have a true love for Jesus, then we we do hunger and thirst for his word and for his presence. Um, and so, yeah, I I actually text one of the moms and was like, I'm so excited to see your daughters doing Bible study and with us this semester and she said yeah she she did she signed up on her own without even talking to her mom and she it she wants to know like her reasons were she wants to know how to study the bible for herself she she wants to understand it and so i just yeah i think that that is i think there is a generation coming who's who's ready to hear truth and to learn to read the Bible and learn how to study God's word. And like, that is where we got to be ready, right? We need to be, they're being discipled. 
So it's just ha- who is discipling them and what are they being discipled toward? Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Our, is, what would our best? Be, what's our best response to this then? Like, how can we be? How can we be more careful than than we have been up until now? I don't know. Where's like need to good be... execution tactics? I guess I don't know how to say that better. But like, what should we? Yeah. Vigilant about going into this with the generation coming up, especially since they do seem so hungry compared to whether it was the cultural Christian thing or whatever it was, but. There, there seems to be a big difference in the, like this group coming up and the ones in the past. So what, what you said discipleship, I guess. So what does that like look like? Done well, do you think? Oh, okay. Discipleship done well. First, I think it's holistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to recognize that we are, we are mind, we are body. We are spirit. We are emotions. All of those things, right, have to be discipled. So, so I think it has to be a holistic approach, and that, and that, and it goes and and discipled in every area of our of our lives. But, but I think, I think, like I grew up, I can't remember a time from birth on, you know, I that I wasn't in church. And back in the day, you know, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Mm -hmm. but I was never taught how to read and understand the Bible. Mm -hmm. Never. And I, and I think like the people who were doing the Sunday school teaching and all those things, they just didn't know, like, I'm not, there's no shade there. They probably hadn't been taught either. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think when you have a generation of kids who are hungering for the word, we give them the tools to read the Bible and understand the Bible for themselves. Yes, we want to teach them. Yes, we want to disciple them, but we also want them to be able to open the word for themselves, to know how to approach the word, to know how to understand it, um, to know the right way to interpret and, and the wrong ways, the wrong things that we bring to scripture and the wrong ways we try to understand it and interpret it. And these are just like basic basic tools that we we should be applying ourselves but also teaching others how to apply as well and so i think that's a big part of it like not not just learning the bible and teaching the bible but learning how to study and learn in the bible so it's more than just like a daily devotion right like mm-hmm. you should actually know the whole story of scripture you, sh- you have to understand scripture in its context. You, there's there's ways in which we study the Bible that make it more profitable for us and, and, and protect us a little more from error, um, whether that someone else is teaching us something that isn't true. Like it helps us mm-hmm. know how to go and see for ourselves and if that's what we believe, but also from a, error on our own part and trying to make the scripture like specific like and i want to be careful how i say this but like sometimes we'll we will will take something to the scripture a problem we're having or whatever and then we'll just pluck this verse completely out of context Mm -hmm. and make it mean something it doesn't mean and so i think like without the tools of how to read and study the word 
you're more vulnerable to false teachers and you're more vulnerable to your own because we're all bringing lenses and worldviews to the scripture that weren't originally there. And so we just have to be aware of that and be careful of that. And, and then, you know, the, a big piece too, is just like, we can't, we can't know God without his spirit's help. And so like, just, you know, helping them recognize it's a real, it's not like you can't do it without the help of the spirit and, and putting that reliance there um, and just recognizing that he's faithful. Like he, he says, you know, when you draw near to him, um, he draws near to you, like that we have an open, we have a, a means to draw near to the father through the son um, in our sin and our shame, we can draw near and God has never left us. Like he's, he's going to draw near to us as well. So we can draw near to him and his word. We can draw near to him through prayer. And, but we need a spirit for all of that. And, and so just all of those things I think are important. Um, so I would start, yeah, with basic how to study the Bible and, and you do, and you learn it by studying it. So you pick a, bit, a book of the Bible, you walk through the whole book and you apply just basic Bible study skills as you're doing it. Yeah, that's something I've been trying to work on with the youth right now is reading their God's Word and, and trying to put things into context and seeing, like, not, not putting your context into it, see what their context was, how God responded to them, and then then you can figure out the application side after you figure out how God interacted with this group of people back then. Um, but my big hurdle right now is just getting them to want to read, like at all. Words are hard um, for the teenager group I have right now. Like they all complain that reading's hard. I'm like, I get it. If you're not excited by, it. like, I've been trying to give them like ways to get more excited about just looking at words on a paper. Like it's really like explaining to them. Oh, I learned this, and I thought this was super cool. Whenever I was um, going through my teaching classes, that. Letters are just, they're just pictures that convey me, like meaning that you can understand very quickly. And I, I never thought about how like how quickly you can understand something. Like you can look at a picture and you have to interpret a lot of stuff. You have to do that sometimes with words. But for the most part, we give, we use words um, and we all, we have a consensus for the most part about what those words mean. And it conveys meaning to us more rapidly and more concisely than just looking at a random, pic, like a collection of pictures. And like yeah. I'm just trying to get them to see that about God's word, like it's it that it is important um, for them to instead of just like watching, they they can intake God's word by hearing God's word, but they can they need to also be involved in the study of God's word themselves. Just for that point you made earlier about um, being discerning about what they're what they're taking in, because I had a kid he met, he text messaged me a few days ago on GroupMe, and he was asking me about a pastor. And I was like, I'm not telling you not to listen to the pastor, but I would like you to uh, put it against God's word before you just take everything this person says. Like, um, you never know who the false prophets are. Like, you don't know who is trying to sway you away or like uh, convince you of something that's not actually biblical or is not a, a truth about who God is. Um, so that seems like that's a that's the issue right now is just trying to get people to like at that age group to really just enjoy looking at words. Yeah. Well, and the thing is too, like. There are, there are going to be days where they don't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So there is, 
like discipline is the root word, right, of discipleship. There is a discipline yes. to Bible study that's important. And so, of course, especially when you're just learning to study the Bible, of course it's hard. Of course words are hard. Um, and, and like we do it anyway because that's how we get to that's that's how we get to know God like through his word he's re, he's revealed himself to us through his word Jesus is the word become flesh like mm-hmm. we we don't take that lightly we we have to take that seriously um and if we really want to know God if we really want to to love and trust the God of the Bible then we're going to have to know the Bible <laughs> And so, yeah, it's hard. It, it's not always going to be enjoyable, but there will be joy in it as you grow and as you learn. And the good thing, like this generation has it has, you know, things we never had. Like if you don't love to look at words on a page, then then get a Bible app that reads the words to you. I mean, yeah. there are people that just are auditory. Learn- you know, there are ways like understanding your own learning style is important. Um, but even, you know, if you're going to listen, I would still encourage you to like, see the words with your eyes. But like, if you think the early church, when they gathered together, they didn't have, everybody didn't have their own copy of the word. And so someone was reading it to them. They were hearing it spoken over them. So I think listening to it being read is a great way. If you just don't love reading to, to get, to listen to the word and get into the word that way. Yeah, I've told them there's like there's podcasts where somebody will just read God's word to you. There's Spotify playlists where somebody will rap it to you, like literally the word of God rap to you. They'll, you can get the apps where Snoop Dogg will read it to you if you really want that. There's plenty of options for them to like. Really, I didn't even know I could get Snoop to read it to me. You can get anybody you want to read it to you now. I saw an advertisement for it recently about that the one they used was Snoop Dogg. So you can put in you can put wow. in the, the AI what translation like ESV CS, CB, CS, CSB, or you yeah. could and then you could say like I want Snoop Dogg to be the one that reads this passage to me. Um, so That's it's crazy. fully available. Like, there's lots of. I agree with you on like listening to God's word too. When I when I meant like reading and stuff, that's what I meant. Like, not just listening to yeah, a preacher yeah. talk. Like, actually getting right. hearing what God's word says directly from the scripture. Um, and I think a big part too is to ask. Like, if if they really desire to have a desire, then ask. Ask that the Lord would increase their, de- you know, your desire for Him and for His word and. And just keep asking and wait, you know, wait on the spirit to to be faithful and do that for you. Like, you know, like sometimes we try to conjure up um, the motivation when when really what we need is the discipline. And then we need this, you know, we, we need to ask the spirit for the desire because because we, you know, there is that war. Our flesh is at war with our spirit and we're we're going to be so tempted to turn toward the things our flesh desires which usually are the easy things not the hard things yeah i love that you're bringing up the spirit of god so much too and like including him in it um because i i don't know how how it was with you but um so i i wasn't a christian i didn't go to church but when i did start going it was in the southern baptist church and I, later on as like i'm walking and like talking to other people i start to realize like one of the the persons of God that the 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 churches I were was in very rarely talked about the actual spirit of God, um, and like what that actually meant. Like I hear I heard like 
Jesus died on the cross, the Spirit of God, he comes in you, all this stuff. But, like, I never actually heard what does it actually mean, how how how, how does God use that, how does he use that to be involved in your life? I never heard, like, anything about the Spirit of God, um, really. And then... <laughs> And then I finally, I, I finally read the Francis Chan book. Somebody told me I need to look into it, the Forgotten God book. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. wow, the Spirit of God is extremely important in, in my spiritual yeah. life. But it's not I, – I, I hate that it's not talked about enough. Like the certain church groups do, but I feel like it is something we don't – like we're talking to the kids. Most of the time when they – like a couple of days ago we talked about the Spirit of God. Most of the kids view the Spirit of God as a force of God but not a persons of God. Like that he doesn't do he's he he makes like I don't know the rainfall like very like old school way like way before the Bible like how they thought God may work it's like God's making the sun which obviously he's involved in that but like that's his only job is to do those things um so what what was what happened in your life where you were like okay I need to focus a lot on the spirit of God and and that part of um him being involved in my life. Um, I don't, hmm, I don't know that there was one thing. Like was it, that did that, was that how you grew up though? N not at all. No. Like the, okay. the Holy Spirit was, was kind of the weird uncle that you didn't talk about. Yeah. Like we knew he was there, but we didn't really know much about him and, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and so, yeah. And I think there was this fear of being, you know, hyper charismatic. So you had to be like, there was just all these, you needed to be careful mm. with the Holy Spirit because then you can just lose your mind or whatever. And so, no, I wasn't discipled at all in the person of the Spirit. In fact, it's been uh, fairly recently, I would say in the last 10 years or so, that um, I really, well, in like, I can't remember how long ago it was, but at some point in the recent, it's been within the last 10 years. Um, I taught on the book of Acts mm. and like, you can't teach the book of Acts yeah. and ignore the Holy spirit. Um, and so I just like, I was like, man, like there's this whole part of the faith that I like, I'm kind of hungry for. There was this, um, like I, like a holy discontentment in my spirit of just like wanting to know the spirit, you know, more personally wanting and, and like, then you recognize well, the spirit has been a part of the story again, from the get go, it's kind of, you know, like once you acknowledge it and see it, then you begin to see, Oh, he's, he's everywhere. He's throughout the old Testament. He's throughout the new Testament. Like God is triune and all three persons have a role. And I, and I just read, um, I'm reading a book on prayer called Words with God that's highly recommend, but um, he the, uh, he said that the, the God of the Old Testament is God we see in the Old Testament we see that God God for us, the New Testament, the gospels really, we see God with us in the person of Jesus. And then like the Holy Spirit comes and acts and we see God within us and that Jesus said that it was better for him to go away so that the, the helper could come. So like Jesus himself says that it's better for us that Jesus not be physically present with us, but that we would have the Holy Spirit. 
And so, I mean, that's profound and, and weighty. And, and so like, if we're ignoring that person of the Godhead, we're, we're ignoring like a big part of like Jesus himself said that this is better that he's with you. And so I think we, we have to, so, so, so studying acts then made me curious. Um, I, I read a book called delighting in the Trinity. That was super helpful. Um, it's been a minute, so I can't think of other books I've read, but, uh, but yeah, I just started like digging in and, and again, asking the spirit to help me and to show me and, and, and God is typically so faithful. I mean, in his own time, he does it, but like just the other day I was reading a verse that was really weird to me. And I just was like, God, this is weird. I don't understand what it's saying. Um, help me understand. And, you know, I finished out my Bible reading time and my prayer time or whatever. And then that night I was reading a, a book on a completely different topic. And the author basically like took that very passage and explained it in the book. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> like the Lord answers your prayers, you know? And so I think, yeah, I think what, I think once you start experiencing the, the spirit's presence and you really open yourself up to that and, and, and ask that, that you'll, that you'll receive and, and that the, the spirit's work, you, you won't like it. I feel like I fumbled my way through it at first, but now it's, there's this like this communion that happens even with like with the Holy Spirit as well, like throughout the day and the morning to like listen because he's speaking to us, he's guiding us, he's helping us. Um, and we have to we have to learn to listen for his voice and we have to quiet all the other noise, I think, too, to be able to hear him. So yeah, I would I would say like it's kind of like once you, like like once you drive a Subaru, you start noticing all the Subarus on the road. Yeah, the greatest car. Yeah, yeah, the greatest car ever. Well, like, like what if you start looking? You know, if you start reading the scripture and just looking and asking the Holy Spirit, you know, to reveal Himself in that, like He will, and you'll start seeing. Oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit's everywhere, everywhere, and He plays an important role. Um, he was on the cross, right? Like, and he, he gave Jesus the power to stay on the cross and he ministered to Jesus as he was, um, walking toward the cross. And we, so you see this, you see the spirit over and over, you see him hovering over the deep in the, in the very first verses of Genesis. And you see him hovering over Jesus as he come as um he's baptized so yeah like the the spirit is a very real part of the godhead and i think we have to get past our fear of the supernatural because like god is supernatural yes <laughs> and so and so we can't try to like confine him to what makes us feel safe and feel better i love the line in um I think it's Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, where Aslan says, you know, or not, he says, he's, Aslan isn't safe, but he's good. 
in Aslan obviously is the lion who represents God in that book. But so like God isn't safe, but he's good. And so we, we can, we can, we're okay. Like allowing God to be bigger and scarier than we could even imagine and being, you know, who he is. Um, like you see over and over the response about in scripture is fear and trembling and so he he is transcendent and other but he's also personal and intimate and and he's both of those things at the same time and i think that's one of the things that the trinity reveals to us all of the god you know god's full nature yeah there's uh, a pastor made a comment one time to me that he had he had like the phd all that stuff well studied his professor now too and he made the comment that um well, well, one the the certain churches like to over try to over over try to help with this um, try to understand God's. I'm trying. I don't know how to say it, but anyway, like his idea was that um, you can be really well studied about God, but there are certain like he reveals himself in him in his Word through his Spirit, and there are certain things we have to allow to be mis, mis, mis allow to be a mystery. Uh, because God is so much bigger than us, and then it should cause us that that uh, I guess awe, I guess in awe of who He is, just because we can't completely comprehend the God of the universe. Yeah. But I'm gonna hard segue because I want to ask you this before. Um, okay. I wanted to, so I think I think it's a good point to bringing up the Spirit of God, especially when you're going into leadership roles. So you are a leader at your church in some capacity correct yes i am i am a deacon at my church i'm the deacon of women's bible study so i wanted to bring this up and then i wanted to see what you thought um so i was look i was i got curious because there i always hear about church attendance falling christian like people claiming that there's less people claiming they're christian now than there ever has been in some countries. I mean, obviously, I, I agree with you. Like, there, Jesus is, or the gospel's blowing up in other areas of the world, uh, but where it was, like, historically strong, or supposed to be strongholds, uh, they, they're faltering. And uh, so I just got curious about the breakdown. Um, so I, when I was first got into ministry, I always heard about how uh, women were the backbone of the church, and statistically that seems like it's true. Usually there's more women in leadership roles, Um or running the church and there's like usually used to be the case there was like double the women versus like double the women than men uh but i got curious i was wondering if that drop had affected women as well and apparently uh pew research shows that the gap is almost the same now that women and men almost exactly the same amount of women and men go to church or claim that they're christian um so i guess i just want to know like why do you think that is? And then what do you what do you what are you doing in your leadership roles? Do you think that's uh, been beneficial, or do you think the the roles that you've been? I guess we'll, we'll take it at one question first. Why do you think it is that the gap between women and men is closed so vastly? Why are women dropping off at <coughs> such a like the trend line is showing that men have about stayed the same, but women have like dropped dramatically um, from where they were in church attendance and like saying that they were or just saying that they were Christian at all. So why do you think it is that women are like starting to hit that trend hard? Um, gosh, I don't know that I know the answer to that necessarily. I will say this. <clears throat> I think, um, 
there are many churches where women, um, I want to be careful in how I say it, but I think that there are many churches where women are not, um, they're not honored. Uh, they're not given opportunity to, they're not like their gifts aren't acknowledged. Mm. Their gifts aren't encouraged. Their gifts aren't, um, aren't, uh, nourished where they can grow in their giftings. Um, I think there have been, there's just been a long culture where women, yes, were the majority. Um, and yet we're the majority in terms of church attendance, I think more than even church leadership, mm. but like most of the, the preaching teaching was done without really considering that half of your audience is female. Does that make sense? And so I'll just give you like a really, this is like, and I honestly, I like people can use sports analogies. That's great. There, there are women who love sports. There are men who don't, but like if every, if every illustration in your sermon is a football illustration, then you're going to lose half your audience, whether they're male or female, you know, like they're, you're going to lose the half of your audience. That's really doesn't, like football or understand it or whatever and so i mean i don't i i don't know because i feel like women as a whole have often it could very well be that women have cult like culturally there's so much now on women like i think the shift to you know there being a lot of women who are raising kids as single moms and it could be things like just very tangible things like they're working 40 hour weeks. They're working on Sundays. They have their single parenting. They have their kids. Like it could be things like that. I mean, those are the kinds of things we consider. Like if you're going to do women's men, women's ministry in particular, women's Bible study, then you've got to consider, Oh, well, we're going to have to do it at a time that, women women are less likely to be able to make it to a 6 a.m bible study you can get a lot mm -hmm. of men at a 6 a.m bible study but women are making lunches and getting kids dressed and you know getting kids to school and getting to work or whatever and you got to think oh we're going to probably need child care and so i think yeah i think you have to so i don't know why we're seeing a trend of more women leaving the church necessarily other than i mean like we we've seen a lot of abuse mm -hmm. come to the light in the last five, 10 years. And, and it's, and, and it's been within the church, not just outside of it. Obviously it's been coming to light outside of the church as well. Um, and I think we've seen, we've not seen a lot of repentance about it. And so um, that could be playing a role that could be playing a part. I know women, um, I just think there has to be a space, right? Like Jesus pushed against the cultural norms when it came to 
not only to women, but to, but for sure, when he interacted with women in almost every interaction, he's pushing against some cultural norm and, and, and lifting women up and giving them honor that they did not have in the culture. And what we've seen in the church in the last, or at least in my lifetime, is that the, the church has mirrored the dishonor of the culture toward women instead of it being a place where no women were held in high regard. Mm -hmm. And it looked very different to how the culture was treating women. And, and so, yeah, like, I mean, Jesus had women disciples. You see women, you see that it's women who are the last ones standing who stay at the cross until he breathes his very last breath. All of the 12 disciples had scattered um, and that there may have been men disciples there, but they're not, not the 12 and they're not mentioned, but we see like there's women standing and staying with him. So women did ministry with Jesus. We see women uh, that are, that work with the apostle Paul. Like you see women throughout scripture, they're given gifts, they're prophets, they're deacons they're all they they have these roles to play they're judges and they're and they're given like leadership roles they're given and not only leadership roles are given and but they're they're given places of honor and then they're given places where their gifts that have been given to them by the holy spirit have a place to be exercised and to grow and to be used for the work of the kingdom and so i think I think that's something that's been missing in at least in the church cultures that I've been involved in. Um, and so I think it just, we have to, yeah, that's something to consider and to think about as you're, you know, if you are a church leader and you're wanting to, and you're concerned about that, then I think those are things you have to consider. Yeah, I actually had this uh, a conversation one time with a student. Um, she had only been in my in the youth ministry like a, a year or two, I think. Um, but it it wasn't specifically about women leadership roles. It was we were just talking about women, and I was asking her some questions because I just wanted to see what her thought process was on it. Cause she was a young lady; she's probably I guess thirteen when I asked her, was talking to her about it. Um, and I asked, anyway, so she pretty much said that uh, a big part of well, I'll just tell you. She, I, she said it'd be better to be a man, and uh, she, we were talking. She, she was bringing up specifically about like becoming a trans person, and um, so we talked about that. I just asked her questions, and she was just saying that uh, it just seems like so. There's so much encouragement, encouragement for men to do things, but not enough for women, um, and that convicted me mm -hmm. at that at that time. Would not that I wasn't think like I was just trying to find reasons not to uh, encourage women, but. It was just convicting, like, hey, I need to really focus on this uh, more often. And that's something I think about a lot in ministry is that we, we at least in certain church, church, church denominations, we are really good at telling people what they're not supposed to do, but not always saying, hey, this is what you're gifted with, this is what, you're, what you can do, um, or just in, being encouraging in that way. Like it's just all, don't do this, don't do this but not focusing on the gifts that God right. is giving people. Um, so that was like a big conviction moment for me. Yeah. It's interesting to me too, that it's particularly for women. Like we, like 
I've been in circles where men want to make it very clear what women aren't allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but even like, even in, you know, complimentary circles, like mm-hmm. far right or whatever, like the strictest in the strictest sense, like the qualifications, even for men who can fulfill certain roles, like it's not for all men, it's for qualified men, mm-hmm. you know? So it's not like just, it's not just gender that qualifies you, right? That there are these other qualifications yeah. Um, and that there are some men who are not qualified. And I think we spend more time like trying to keep like people out than we spend really prayerfully considering who we're allowing into those roles. I agree. And so Amen. that's how we end up with shepherds who are really wolves in sheep's clothing. I and agree so if we that. spend as much time, you know, if we spent more time really considering and weighing and praying about who we're allowing into those roles, then we spent worried about who we're trying to keep out. I think we would do well. So last thing I just want to ask you about is your ministry. I just want to hear about the thing that you're leading. And actually, I actually, I know some women that want to lead in, um, which that their, their reason for not doing it yet is that they don't feel like they've been taught God's word. Um, so what would you, I guess, what advice would you give people that want to start, uh, creating Bible studies for women or leading women? What, what are some things they should do first and where should they go? And then um, you can talk question. about your ministry too, because I want to hear about yes. yours. <laughs> so, um, I would say, first of all, if you have a desire to lead a Bible study, um, and you feel like the spirit's calling you to do that, then find a way to do it. Mm. Um, you don't have to know the whole, you certainly don't have to know the whole Bible. Like Bible study is how you learn and how you grow. And there's resources out there to, to equip, you know, to, to equip you in things that you feel uncertain and unsure of. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't do it flippantly. I would do it certainly prayerfully, but, but yeah, like don't, don't wait until you feel like you know enough because you, you may not ever know enough. Like Mm -hmm. again, like, so it's so funny because when I got asked to lead this ministry, well, before I got asked to lead the ministry, I was asked to be a Bible teacher. Um, and like literally the day after I agreed to do it, I, my daily Bible reading brought me to James. I think it's chapter three where it says not many of you should desire to be teachers because you're going to be judged more harshly. And I thought, Ooh, like I'm going to maybe call them back and change my mind. And so like, it's weight, it's a weighty thing, um, to teach God's word. Um, and so I think like you go into it like feeling that weight is good because it, it keeps you in a place of dependence and, and helps protect you from yourself. Um, so that's the first thing I would say, like, yeah, feel the weight of that call if the spirit's calling you to do it, but, but like step out in faith and do it knowing 
he's he's prepared all the good work beforehand and he's equipped you for it um and will equip you in the journey the second thing i would say is like i i just want to plug a resource that i found like highly helpful um and it's really a resource that's great for women or men it's great for anyone who wants to just learn practical skills for how to study the bible and it's jen wilkins women of the word so the title is women of the word but it literally could just be people of the word because it's it's a book all about um bible study and like how to how to read the bible how to be um a good student of the bible and how to approach it it talks about um context and biblical context historical context um who wrote it who wrote the book what genre is it how how do we interpret the different genres um and then it and then it talks it walks you through like the steps of bible study which are basically comprehension which is just what does the text say and then um interpretation what does the text mean and that's very important to do in context and then then after you can't get to right application unless you've gotten right comprehension and right interpretation and then only then can you rightly apply it so it's kind of walks you through it's very it's written for the lay person you don't have to be a th theologian to understand what she's saying so it's i would highly recommend that book i would read it before um, i started um, especially if i was going to attempt to write a bible study for sure i think that would be super helpful but also just if i want to learn to read and study the bible on my own or to lead a study that's a great resource not only for you but for the women or men in your study so there's that and so yeah i would and then i would i think find um find studies that apply like that that study the bible rightly that's fine so so instead of like finding a study on the women of the bible that's going to pick you know things from all over the bible you know start genesis is a it's a hard it's a great place to start because it kind of la lays the foundation for the whole bible and just take your time and but maybe don't start with Genesis, start with a short book like James and just walk through a whole book and teach a whole book, um, you know, take six weeks, 10 weeks, whatever, and divide it into sections and study the book as a whole in its context and, and just start. Um, if you've got one other woman who's interested, then start, start a study, gather in your living room, um, go to your pastor and say hey the spirits put this on my heart and um and if if they are not ready to start something then then start it in your living room i i mean like good things come from bible study and i think yeah if you if you're feeling led to do something like that um then yeah very prayerfully do it <laughs> And so, yeah, and then my ministry is, I mean, that's, I basically lead the women's Bible study. Sometimes um, it's combined women and men's study, but uh, yeah, I, I just kind of oversee, I, I'm, a, I'm the lead teacher. I, and then I oversee the 
the teachers and then we we so ours works like they we all have passages to read during the week and study and we you know questions to answer or whatever in the study and then we come together on Tuesday nights and we meet in small groups first and so then we so we have small group leaders that I also oversee um, and they're just leading small group discussion um, sort of wrestling through the text together things that were confusing things that were hard or things the Lord showed you and we spend the first hour in small group and then we come together in large group and we have a teaching time and um, we have a handful of teachers uh, that teach and um, and so like we do that we do both men's and women's we study the same thing um, but we we study the same thing separately and then we come together at times like so um, I think and we do that very intentionally because we want it for the married men and women in our body we want them to be able to talk about it together and to learn together and to grow together but i and i think that studying men and women together is good and right and important and i think it's also important to have places and spaces where men and women even if they're studying the same thing are studying them separately and and mainly because if if things are going to come up that are sensitive like you know for women i think the statistics now are like one in three women have experienced uh sexual abuse of some kind like you just want to give women a, a and men a safe space for those things to come up and to be you know to be ministered to in those things so i so i think it, you need both like you need spaces for women to study together and you need spaces for men to study together but then you also need to have spaces where they're coming together collectively and and learning from one another and 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 again going back to our discussion earlier like i think men need to give women room to to they need to be willing to learn from women they need to be willing and open themselves up to like oh the holy spirit actually works through women too and and we do there are things we can learn um so yeah and so that's how we do our women's bible study we we have two semesters uh a year we have a fall semester and a spring semester and they um the shortest they've ever been is an eight-week semester they're typically around 11 or 12 weeks this semester it's going to be 10 weeks so just depending on what what we're studying how long the study lasts and then and then we'll often take a whole year to so we took a whole year to do genesis we did it at the first 15 chapters i think in the fall and then the rest of genesis in the spring so that's how we do it does that ever stress anybody out whenever you tell them it's going to be a whole year so when we did genesis not only did we study it in bible study for a whole year we they preached on it the whole year too so we were we were doing it, you know, at home and on Tuesday nights being taught and then coming together on Sundays and and, and hearing a sermon on it. Um, and honestly, um, like there's just something beautiful, like obviously repetition is one of the main ways we learn. Right. And so there are truths in Genesis that hopefully really took root in the hearts of our people because we design the study and the sermon series to work together in that way 
Um, so she, I'm sure there are people that freak out um, a little bit. But Genesis, you know, like it takes a pretty hard turn. Like, you know, it really is kind of like the the first 15 chapters are like, you know, they're they're big and broad sort of an overview. And then like it takes a turn towards Abraham and, and we sort of zoom in on a particular family. So it kind of can feel like you're getting something different. I think we took a year to go through the gospel of Matthew, but then we only took a semester to go through Mark. So it just depends. But um, but yeah, it's, I don't know if they freak out, I guess they don't sign up, but yeah, there's just, there's just longer books of the Bible and, and you just want to give them the space they need to go as, you know, as deep as you like, and still you feel like, you know, there were times in Genesis where you were still reading five or six chapters in the week and looking at that, which is a lot if you're trying to, you know, go deep. Um, so yeah, we just, we, uh, I don't make the decisions about what we're studying that's done. Um, we have a minister of classes and curriculum and she works very closely with the teaching and preaching staff and they sort of determine sometimes, you know, a year at a time, like what we'll be doing. And so we did the same thing with Mark. Like when we were studying the book of Mark, we were also that we were also teaching and preaching through it on Sundays. So they kind of make those decisions and then I just teach what they tell me to. So that's how it works. I know John Piper, I remember reading one time that he went through the book of Romans for, I can't remember how many years. I want to say it was like seven. It was seven. several. Yeah. yeah, it was several years. It was a long time. I couldn't imagine. I mean, I know it's a hefty book, but uh, it would, I think I would just, not that I would, I wouldn't get stressed. I'd be fine, but I know I would. Uh, I wouldn't um, be surprised if other people were complaining or stressed out over that for sure. All right. Right. Last thing you have to say. What is the most important thing you think people should be thinking about right now? Oh gosh, the most important. Thing. Yeah, you're thoughtful, so I know you've thought about it. I'm like, man, I wish people would think about this more. Oh gosh, no, I don't know that. Um... Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, okay, so here's my answer. It's going to sound Sunday school, so it's not going to be a cultural, do you mean a cultural issue, or do you just mean in general? No, in general, what do you, what do you, what, like, what think, do you think? I don't care if it's culture, I don't, what do you think? I think believers, so not all, I mean, not all people are going to be equipped to think about this, but believers should be considering what it means that that God's kingdom is here, like that we are citizens of a kingdom that's not of this world. And like, how does that, what does that mean for my marriage? If I'm living for the kingdom in my marriage, what does that mean for my parenting? If I'm a citizen of God's kingdom in my parenting, and and I think that that can begin to shape the way we love and serve and show up um, and, and sort of form us a little more counter culturally. But I think if we're not intentional and, and setting our minds intentionally on like the, 
the real reality, you know, like what's really real, what's really true. And that's, you know, what's really true for us is that that the kingdom of God is here and that the kingdom of God will be the only kingdom standing when all of this is said and done. And so like being super aware of that and being super intentional of living in that kingdom and for that kingdom. Um, and, and I think that like when we, when that becomes what consumes our thoughts and our minds, then it informs all of the imp- other important things we should be thinking about, like, you know, the environment and racial um, reconciliation and, uh, you know, all the other issues, LGBTQ plus issues that when, when we're, when we get so kingdom minded, I think that our wisdom and discernment around those other issues will be clearer, um, more loving and more Christ honoring. So that's what I think we should be thinking about. Preach. All right. Well, you know what that means? That's the uh... end of the discussion. It's close enough. (laughs) End of discussion. I am going to shamelessly plug myself. So if you're interested in photography, if you're interested in media, if you're interested in videos, documentaries, whatever it is, I am working on a bunch of stuff, a bunch of projects, places to check them out. You can check my YouTube channel out. That's where I put travel. That's where uh, all kinds of silly things that's where i'll be putting some of my documentary information once i get it going i will also be putting some of that on my facebook page with the same name as the end of the discussion same with the youtube channel the end of the discussion i don't have an instagram for it but i do have an instagram for my photography so you can check out j birch photography or jexp travel which stands for well jonathan jonathan experiences travel okay so jexp travel for travel photography videos things like that again thank you for listening to end of discussion and please think about supporting by sharing uh, and letting people know about the podcast if you have people you think would be great on the podcast or if you think they have a cool story to tell or you think they have something they need to share that is being shut out or just you think it needs to be recorded because it's a cool part of history reach out to me let me know i want to help make it happen I love stories. I love listening. Thanks again for listening to the End of Discussion podcast. <laughs>